This is episode number 448 with Stephen Kotler. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. If you're looking to optimize human performance and increase your potential with the cutting edge insights, tools, and information, then this is the episode for you guys. We've got Stephen Kotler back on the show. And for those who don't know who Stephen is, he is a New York Times bestselling author, an award-winning journalist, and the co-founder and director of research for the Flow Genome Project. He is one of the world's leading experts in ultimate human performance, and his work has been featured in the New York Times, Atlantic, Forbes, Wired, and Time Magazine. Guys, he is an all-star. And some of the things we cover today in this interview are why the drive for intoxication and mind-altering substances is inside all of us. Also, what the largest revolution most people have never heard of and how it's happening right now. The line between using drugs for good and when it goes south. Also, the four emerging forces in human development and how marketers are using these methods already to sell us every single day. Guys, this is a powerful one. And before we dive in, I want to give a big thank you to our iTunes review of the week. And this one is from Brooks Like, who says, these podcasts are always informative, educational, and always inspirational. I always learn new things when I listen and a big fan of everything you do to help others achieve their own success. You are the ambassador of greatness, my friend. Keep the good work coming. I really appreciate that. And this one is from Sarah714237, who says, Lewis, I am learning so much through your podcast. I am letting go of my victim mentality and building a winner's mindset. No amount of words could describe the impact these podcasts have made on my life. I am applying all of what I'm learning into my life, and I'm seeing myself changing. Half the people you have on these podcasts, I don't know them, but I'm so glad that I took a chance to listen to what they had to say. Blessings to you. These two are the reviews of the week. We appreciate all the reviews we get. Make sure to share yours at iTunes.com slash greatness if you want a chance to be featured on the show for your review of the week also. And without further ado, guys, let's dive into this. Let's take our mind and our human performance potential to the next level with the one, the only, Stephen Kotler. From now until March 19th, Whole Foods Market is running their sales event, Taste the Mediterranean. It's a store-wide, flavor-packed journey of regionally-inspired selections. Save on Mediterranean-inspired flavors like Parmigiano, Regano, Charcuterie, and Ground Lamb. Find sales on animal welfare-certified meat. Save on seafood like Whole Bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. Stock up on wallet-happy Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles and whole wheat pita pockets. Wines from the sun-soaked vineyard of Spain, Greece, and Italy start at just $8.99. Must be 21 plus. Please drink responsibly. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. 
The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. So many of us love coffee, like the living for it type of love. Some like it hot, some like it iced with a splash of creamer, and some like it with a cold foam topping. Many of us stop into coffee shops on our way to work more often than we'd like to admit. But now, thanks to International Delight Cold Foam Creamer, you can make cold foam coffee at home, or in my team's case, in the office, and it's a game changer. I was just chatting with a teammate of mine about our love for the occasional sweet treat coffee. Sometimes, it's just the thing you need as a pick-me-up on a busy day and we just stocked our office fridge with international delight cold foam creamer and it never misses the team's favorite flavor so far is the caramel macchiato you just shake the canister and spray it into your coffee and voila you've got an incredible cold foam coffee no frothing fancy machines or mess required international delight cold foam creamer foams and creams your coffee from top to bottom the best part it works on both hot and iced coffee it comes in three foaming delicious flavors, French vanilla, sweet and creamy, and caramel macchiato. So you can switch things up depending on your mood. Look for your favorite flavor next time you're at your grocery store and be prepared to say goodbye to your barista. International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. It's foaming delicious. All right, welcome everyone back to the School of Greatness podcast. We have New York Times bestselling author Stephen Collar in the house. Thanks for coming, Good man. to see you. Appreciate it. Now, you've written many books, um, and you've got a new book out called Stealing Fire. Can you tell me the subtitle? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can. How, how Silicon Valley, Navy SEALs, and Maverick scientists are revolutionizing how we live and work. Okay. And what does Stealing Fire actually mean? Stealing Fire is a reference to Prometheus, who stole fire from the gods, right? And this was it, it's told as fire, but it really was the power to seed civilization and language and art and culture and medicine and um and he was eternally punished for it um and are we going to be punished for reading the book <laughs> we we are we are hoping to avoid that um but this is you know w- the book is about a kind of an underground revolution mm-hmm. and it mo- it's a modern day promethean uprising is how okay. we think about it gotcha and so what are these uh, individuals that these peak performers learning from this process or what have you so what the book really is about is a $4 trillion underground revolution in altered states of consciousness and human performance that's being driven by some of the most elite, high-performing individuals and organizations in the world, whether we're talking about the Navy SEALs or Google or Maverick, you know, top scientists from Harvard, Yale, Columbia, take your pick, um, really top of the top, and these people are driving this revolution forward. And it's probably the largest revolution that most people have never heard of. Well, four trillion dollars. Four trillion dollars industry. You're calling it an industry, I guess. And altered states of consciousness. What do you exactly mean? How so, many states are there? Great questions. And we're we're being very specific. So let me back into sure. it. We are looking at what where this came from is at the Flow Genome Project, where we study flow, which is one altered state of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Two kind of. In our research with flow, we had to kind of lay out the neurobiology, what's underneath this, this experience. And 
in doing that, how we, to get into the flow, how to get into flow, what are, what's, what are the changes yeah. in the brain, right? And there's some, you know, 21st century normal where you're in our brains right now. Probably our our brain waves are in beta. It's a fast moving wave, right? We've got a steady kind of drip drip of cortisol and norepinephrine. These are stress hormones. And they make us focus, and it's you know, and the prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that's right here, right, which is where most of your higher cognitive function, complex decision making, long term planning is hyperactive. So inflow that shifts markedly. Brain waves drop from the high beta down to this alpha theta borderline. Alpha is where people are in daydream mode. Theta is only present during REM sleep or hypnagogic mm-hmm. sleep. Time kind of goes away. You're Time not sure tends if to go away. Fast or slow. It's kind of like and the hip, I mean the, the telltale of theta is like you know as you're falling asleep when you're thinking of that gray sweater and it suddenly becomes that gray elephant and then it suddenly becomes an ocean and you're just pattern recognition. There's no resistance. That's a good way to figure out that you're moving in close to theta. Uh, and then there are five or six very potent neurochemicals that get released in the system. So with this, this allowed us to map flow. But what we started to realize is that neurobiology over the past 10 to 15 years has progressed so quickly that we now can look underneath other altered states of consciousness. And if you look underneath certain experiences, experiences that get us out of our head, right, that change the channel on consciousness, whether it's psychedelic states, meditative and contemplative states, flow states, technologically mediated states using transcranial magnetic stimulation to knock out the prefrontal cortex, et cetera, et cetera. There's a kind of a broad band of these things. So different um, different mechani- or different tools that you're using, like physical tools to using. Different. Sort of well, there's different ecstatic techniques to get in there. You gotcha. can use drumming. You can use chanting. Gotcha. You can use psychedelics. You can use action sports to trigger flow. You gotcha. can take your pick. What's interesting is that what we've discovered is that under the hood, these experiences are very, very, very similar. Yes. So what that allowed us to do is to, you know, create categories where there wasn't one. I mean, if you think about, go back over the past hundred years, people who were interested in flow states it was primarily artists and athletes. People who were interested in meditative and contemplative states, mystical states. There were it was mostly seekers, yep. right? The new age, that category, and psychedelic experiences. It was mostly hippies and ravers, uh-huh. right? And these are three big groups of people that don't really like each other and don't often <laughs> talk to each other and don't cross don't over. Don't agree with the way they, the other person's doing it, or yeah. And but under the hood, they're all seeking the exact same experience. And what is that they're seeking? So the term that we have used with the. All these terms are really difficult. Altered states of consciousness brings up all kinds of baggage, non-ordinary states of consciousness, all kinds of baggage, even though that's the term we like in the book. But the term we use, and we actually got it from when we were working with the Navy SEALs, um, and one of the leaders of DevGrew used the term ecstasis. Ecstasis is the ancient Greek term for very specific band of altered state of consciousness. Ecstasis means experiences that are beyond your normal sense of self, and when you are filled with, they use the term divine inspiration, we would just use it as intuition and information, intuition and inspiration. So we we have rebranded like this category, the ecstatic category, all these experiences do those things. They get you out of your head, they just switch the channel of consciousness, your sense of self disappears, and you get access to a whole level of information and inspiration you wouldn't normally get. Turns out there are a couple other characteristics that that all these experiences phenomenologically they share sense of self disappears time disappears body awareness right normal sense of effort exactly disappears right that struggle and toil that is is that vanishes suffering and disappears disappears 
and your and the last would be richness, information richness. You're plunged into this high data field, right? And all these experiences. We use STIR as our acronym: selfless, timeless, effortless, richness. Right? Mm. That's that tends to be what these ecstatic experiences produce, and there's right. tremendous value there across the board. And it seems that, and it's not just those subcultures, right? You can the biohacking subculture is doing the same thing. Sure. They're aiming for these same experiences. So you can kind of start looking at, you know, suddenly, you know, hardcore Dave Asprey biohackers and soccer moms with yoga practices <laughs> right. who don't actually like, they would never think of themselves in the same category. Turns out you guys are actually playing the same game, mm. right? You see the same thing with inside of organized religion, right? A lot of the so-called kind of really established Pentecostal religions where they're literally trying to change state. They're doing it inside of a different container. Yeah. They've got all kinds of different language. But what is the experience of, say, speaking in tongues? Well, it's selfless. It's effortlessness. Mm-hmm. It's timelessness. It's, it's information yeah. rich. And neurobiologically, if you look at what's going on under the hood, and we've got you know speaking in tongues, which is this crazy thing. We now know where it comes from. Yeah. Very similar to these other experiences. So huge groups of people. And when we talk about the $4 trillion, where that came from, is when where this started for us is we train people in flow, which is an altered state of consciousness. And it's pretty strange to go into businesses or Fortune 100 companies or Wall Street and be training people in an altered state of consciousness. That's a strange thing. For me, it's a strange thing. And yet it didn't matter really where we were. We'd come off stage and everybody would rush up to us and they're like, oh, the flow stuff is great. Mm. But my entire team, we're microdosing on a regular basis or we're going to weekend Vipassana silent meditation retreats or we're doing this tantric sex practice to get right. right. And it was everywhere we went, you know, people were using all of these different techniques to, to change flow. their consciousness, not to, to reach these states of selflessness. So interestingly, just to... Terminology-wise, if you go back 100 years at the start of kind of modern psychology and modern neuroscience, like William James's time when William James was at Harvard, William James thought mystical experiences, flow states, psychedelic experience, they were all the same thing. They were thought of as the same category. Mm. And then over the next 100 years, we broke them apart and broke them apart and broke them apart and broke them apart, called them all these different things. And now that over the past 10 years, we can look under the hood with neuroscience advancements we're seeing oh wait a minute these are actually all the same things together so the four trillion dollars is we call it the altered state economy we Mm. did a huge calculation how much time and money do people spend trying to alter their their consciousness trying to change the channel on consciousness now Mm. not all of this is conscious not all of it is good right there are a lot of substances caffeine nicotine Mm. alcohol all kinds sex of sex addiction, sex early, addi- right. all, th- that are net can have negative outcomes, but they're right. But we did a calculation. We were as conservative as possible. So let me give you uh, just one example in our calculation. So the live music industry, you can make an argument, a good one that pretty much anytime anybody goes to a show, they are, they want their consciousness altered. They want to get sucked up into the crowd, have that group flow communitas experience, Right. We said, okay, that's great. That's fine, but that's way just too big. There are other reasons people go to shows and whatever. So we narrowed it down. We're like, we're just going to take electronic dance music because a lot of the reasons people go to see bands, well, there's no lyrics out the window. There's no band. DJ is pushing play on a tape most of the time. Um, 
maybe a little mixing on top, but nobody goes to see the performance. They go for the state of consciousness the experience mm-hmm. produces. The feeling. The feeling and what it does and how it kicks them out of their head, that sort of thing. So we very conservatively built this thing together, but $4 trillion mm. added up, that's one-sixteenth of the global economy. To put it in context, that's the GDP of Germany. It's bigger than the GDP of India or Russia. Wow. Put it in kind of crazy terms, it's twice the the number of stars in our current galaxy. Like it's a, it's a huge, huge number. And what's changing, right? This is $4 trillion that we're spending right now is we, the book kind of covers four emerging forces, neurobiology, psychology, pharmacology, and technology that are emerging right now and giving us much more access to these states with far more precision than we've ever had before. So a lot of what was unconscious is starting to become conscious. We're starting to be able to pick and choose the exact mm-hmm. experiences we want, the way we dial them up. We're being able to scale them for the very first time. Mm. These kinds of shifts are coming or are happening right now, and it's a totally different ballgame. So I think that $4 trillion is where we are right now, and it's only going to get bigger over the next few decades. Wow. So – you interviewed all these different people in different genres, from the soccer mom to the psychedelic person to the Navy SEAL to the executives who all were experiencing different, trying and implementing different strategies to reach this altered state of consciousness, correct? Mm-hmm. Did you find a, um, a group that had the most effective way or that had like the easiest way to get in and tap into this, the least cost effective, the fastest the, the least damaging so that it's an interesting it's, it's a great question um let, let's be specific about it let's so let's talk about uh work done on post-traumatic stress disorder because it's a really it's a really great case what, what our argument about the benefits of these states are on you know there's a healing side to it yeah. right they make us feel very alive but they also heal trauma at a really deep level yeah. um and enhance creativity cooperation all that stuff so let's just focus on the healing trauma stuff and so the first place to start is with the psychedelic research, right? Mm-hmm. With the pharmacological research. And Rick Doblin, who runs MAPS, Harvard-trained doctor, runs MAPS, and a doctor named Michael Mithoffer teamed up back in the 90s to look at MDMA, right? Which is the street drug known as ecstasy or molly or take your pick, um, as a treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder. And they looked at it in soldiers, so people coming back from Iraq. Iraq and Afghanistan, and they looked at victims of sexual abuse and child abuse. And they were using MDMA therapy. So it's one to three rounds of, you you take the substance, the Mm -hmm. compound, and there's therapists in the room who work with you. They found that one to three MDMA therapy sessions was enough to produce either a marked decrease in PTSD symptoms or a total reduction. Mm. And the studies have been now running for over four years. So when I say total reduction, we know that the symptom, all the symptoms of PTSD have gone away and that has persisted for four years. I talked to uh, one of the guys who took part in that original study, and I'm not going to give you his name because he, he used sure. to stay anonymous, but he was an army ranger and got blown up in New York, neck, back, and ankles totally shattered, nonstop nightmares, basically lived in hell oh, for man. a year. Um, heard about this study, got involved, and literally 
one session was all he needed. He said, but they, they was, he was scheduled to do three sessions, but he had so much healing from the PTSD that literally his nightmares went away instantly. By the time he got to the second session, he was like, we don't have to talk about me getting blown up in Iraq. I'm done with Good. that. Okay. Let's go back into my childhood and see what else we can fix. Right, right. right? So that's where we started. That's psychedelic approach. It's one approach. One and approach, yeah. Is that an addictive approach, though, to people? Well, not in the context of psychedelic therapy. It's risky. So let me let me get yeah. through the comparison contrast sure, and then sure. we can talk about that because that's a great question. They basically re-ran that study and they replaced the psychedelic with flow. They At Camp Pendleton, they took soldiers with PTSD and they over a thousand soldiers have taken part and they used surfing as a trigger for flow, mm-hmm. right? Blended it with talk therapy and they found that it took five weeks of surfing and talk therapy to produce the exact same result market decrease in symptoms or total abatement, mm-hmm. right? Five weeks surfing. Then they redid that experiment again with mindfulness-based meditation, mm-hmm. and they found they could get similar, not total abatement of symptoms, but marked decrease of symptoms with 12 weeks of daily 20-minute meditation. Mm. So three varying wow. techniques of ecstasy, yeah. right? Yeah. They're all roughly producing the same kind of results under the hood. The difference is a safety in the first case you a have to be comfortable with you know a, a substance um it though, affect your brain that can affect way. your brain now that said is so effective as these ptsd studies been the fda is now seriously looking at wow. mdma as treatment forget about ptsd they're looking at it for anxiety and depression mm. um and there's a there seems to be a lot of proof that that's going to get actually approved and be a prescription you know something you can actually do with a doctor um so Yes, it's dangerous. You have to take an amphetamine. You have to be comfortable with doing all that. Um, surfing, a little less dangerous. You can still, you know, snap your neck and you got right, right. you can drown. There's still risk there. Sure. Meditation, a lot less. I mean, people people talk about meditation as if there are no risks, and that's not true. If you've ever seen people come through like a have hardcore Vipassana silent meditation retreat, it can really it can not. Yeah. yeah, it can mess with people. It, sure. There's, it's not. It can go wrong as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but there you have three different techniques of ecstasis to access this state. They're all producing very similar results. And you can pick and choose. And that's what this thats what this revolution is so great. That's what's so neat now is that we actually, first of all, we have the information to know, oh, mm-hmm. wait a minute, these are doing the same the thing. Research and and the I have options, yeah. right? And I think what's really interesting and what seems to be very cutting edge um, is combinatory therapies. So there's work uh, that's being done in England. I want to say it's at Oxford, but I could be wrong, um, where they're looking at combining uh, MDMA therapy with meditation. It seems like they're getting better results. So the combinatory therapies, which is really sort of the cutting edge of what's next and what's coming, um, people are just starting to look at. But that's where I think this gets really mm. interesting, and that's where it's going. But the other thing is, by the way, we're talking about these three innovations. You can also use technology, right? Yeah. I mean, right now we talk about psychedelics as a mm-hmm. consciousness-altering technology, mm-hmm. but there are a whole lot of actual sure. technologies yeah. coming that do yeah. sort so of the like same thing. there's like virtual reality therapy that could be created. You know, there's all sorts of stuff too, right? Just talking about flow. We know video games produce a tremendous amount Absolutely. of flow, right? And so just neurobiologically, there are five of those neurochemicals that show up in these states Video games can really only get at two of them, mm. sometimes three, but two is what most we get. Virtual reality, a lot more work needs to be done. It seems to yeah. be able to get at kind of all of them at mm. once. So I think VR is a state-changing technology. 
is is phenomenal and i think i mean i really think that's where it's going really yeah I've recently joined the world of home ownership. And one thing I've learned is that there's so much more freedom with what I can do with my home, but also so many more decisions to make. Figuring out where to start on big projects like a complete room makeover can be overwhelming. But with Crate and Barrel's free interior design service, a design pro can provide design and styling help for projects big or small. Whether you're redesigning your living room, choosing a new dining room table and chairs, or even just styling a bookshelf. Work one-on-one with a design pro who will work Work with existing furnishings and help you choose new ones. Get 2D layouts and even 3D renderings so you can actually see your space to help you decide. Did I mention it's free? Yes. Having fun exploring the possibilities of what you can redesign or have the design desk help. Go to CrateAndBarrel.com or your local store to make an appointment with the Crate and Barrel Design Desk. My career not only requires me to travel, but also gives me the freedom to. Traveling has brought me so many positive experiences and memories. Like that time I spent the holidays at an Airbnb in Big Bear with some of my extended family, and it was the perfect way to come together and connect with my family that I don't see that often. If you have a similar setup that allows you to travel often, have you ever thought about your empty home while you're gone? More specifically, how you can make some extra money by keeping your home occupied while you're out of town. I'm a big advocate for setting up a side hustle to give Give you an extra stream of income and Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start. Many people host on Airbnb, including some friends of mine, but there are some people out there who've never even realized their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you've got yourself an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com host. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know, I saw like a video on Facebook the other day of a guy who was in some, strapped into some contraption and he was on like a a circular like running machine where he could run in every direction 360 with strapped in with the virtual reality and he was like he he crouched he jumped and he was in the game and he probably lost sense of like his body where he, he probably felt like he was actually in it as he was running and punching and you know everything it's just like I pl- I got a chance to crazy. Uh, so at USC they've been using kind of early VR techniques again as a treatment for PTSD um, a guy named Skip Rizzo uh, is behind this work, and I got a chance to play in one of those simulators. I also, a couple weeks ago, got a chance to fly uh, the Air Force's Osprey VR simulator um, through the jaws of death. I'm going crazy. Um, first shot <laughs> through the jaws of death. I don't even know if that's a good thing or a bad wow. thing, or if, um, but I was very proud of myself. <laughs> um, but the sim- when, when I tell you that the, the, the simulations are getting really good, they're getting really, really, good. really good. Realistic, right? Really like- good, yeah. When I crashed the... Helicopter, like you're dead. Yeah, yeah, I freaked. I was like, "This is so immersive." Yeah, very powerful. You know, why do you feel like we uh, we need to seek this so much? Why can't we just be happy? 
You know, why do we, why is there so much trauma and so much so it's interesting. destruction and stress and anxiety? Why can't we just live well, normal lives? <laughs> there's a handful of answers to it, right? Um, and they're real answers. The first thing is we have a, you know, in the book we talk about three different, like, we, like why have we missed a $4 trillion revolution? Like how, like that's a huge revolution, right? I don't know if you saw the headlines yesterday. The Pentagon tried to bury like $160 billion worth of, of stuff and it's troop carriers and whatever, like, you know, and like they couldn't, they could barely bury that. And yet this is, you know, $4 trillion, much, much bigger. And it's, so how the hell is that possible? And one of the reasons is we talk about these states as being beyond the pale. And there are three pales we look at, one of which is kind of the pale of society. And we don't like to talk about it, but we really do have state sanctioned sanctions states of consciousness, which is to say that the chemicals that and the states of consciousness that society supports are the ones that sort of work in a capitalist society. If you're going to have a, you know, a functioning market economy, you need super hyper alert workers. So we, you know, the caffeine break and the smoke break, right? These are stimulants that drive focus. And because people are so wired at the end of the workday, they need cocktails to come down. These are state sanctioned states of consciousness. We support them. We enshrine them in our laws. We back them up with culture, right? There are a whole bunch of other things that we don't support. And it's interesting because it shifts, right? Like yoga in the 90s, was not a sanctioned way to alter your consciousness. It was okay maybe for hippies, right. but now everybody's it's doing everywhere. it. Businesses are doing it. You know, it's a, I think it's a $27 billion industry already. Wow. It's a big number. Um, so these things are shifting. There's also uh, the pale of uh, the church, which basically says, look, these ecstatic experiences, they're really good for the founder, the first person, you know, in, they're allowed to have this crazy burning bush, you know, mystical experience, but it's, you know, heresy if the, you know, the followers try to repeat it basically. And mm. um, so there's, there's, that's, there's, there's a whole cultural and religious side of it. And then there's what we call the pale of the body, which is, um, we have a tendency and you see this a lot when. Um, with psychedelics, we tend to think that states that we produce through hard work internally through meditation or contemplative practices, these are authentic, true and good. But anything that requires an external technology, be it a psychedelic or neurofeedback or whatever, it's not quite as pure, mm-hmm. right? This is technically what's called the skin bag bias, right? Sure. Things that are produced inside the skin bag are, are pure and good. Things that are from outside are suspicious not to be trusted. Yeah. When under the hood, they're the exact same thing. So, you know, some of the answer to your question is all this has been been hiding behind kind of these views and those things are starting to kind of shatter open and we're starting to see through there, right? That's part of it. Right. What do you want people to know the most about the research you've been doing about this book? What is the thing, the most important thing? Well, the most important thing is like to me is that First of all, most people actually have no idea this ref- this is even going on, right? Let alone, I would assume most of your listeners are probably part of this actual revolution. They're sure. probably driving it forward yeah, one way or another. So first of all, that's exciting in and of itself. Hey, folks, you're part of a revolution. Right. Didn't know, right? Um, yeah, a lot that, of people listen are big meditators, do you know practices to get into flow. They're constantly looking to be peak performers. They want to achieve higher results, greater results. You know, and the and the so the answer. The, I want the other half of your question, and I think this is this is what I want people to know is 
because of these pales, because we haven't looked at these states, because we haven't understood the neurobiology, because of all that, we have we are missing what high performance really looks like. I think most people in a lot of situations, if their creativity is a great example, creativity tops everybody's list of skills most critical in the 21st century, right? Whether it's the 21st century skill list where it's school kids in education or IBM did a recent study where they surveyed 1,600 CEOs from 60 countries, 1,600 CEOs. What's the most important quality in a CEO? Creativity, number one. So in the 21st century, creativity seems to top the boards. And by the way, if robots and AI are coming for our jobs, and the new study out of Oxford says that 40% of our jobs are vulnerable to replacement by AI and robotics over the next few decades, the jobs that are going to be safe are the ones where there's creative problem solving. Now, the interesting thing is we got a chance to take part, uh, we meaning myself and Jamie Wheel, my partner who I co-wrote the book with, and the Flow Genome Project, we took part in uh, the Red Bull Creativity Project, which is the largest meta-analysis of creativity ever done. And they learned a couple of things, right, out of, out of like early rounds of this. The first was what I just told you, which is creativity is probably the most important skill in the 21st century. Second thing they learned is we suck at training people to be more creative. We're flat out terrible at it. We have almost no tools for it. <laughs> and the reason is... We are trying to train people in a skill when we really need to be training a state of mind. So non-ordinary states of consciousness are the tools that evolution gave us to perform in peak states, right? We see this in flow. You see this other things. We have, we've been trying to train up all these skills and we keep getting stuck when we should be training people to alter their consciousness, to mm, train up states of mind. way of being too. And it, fun, it filters down from there, right? Um, that, I think, is the most important takeaway. Collaborative skills, creative skills, inspiration, intuition, all these things that are fundamental mm. to success in the 21st century, these are best accessed by changing the channel in consciousness. Wow. Turning off your normal state of awareness and going here. And by the way, the craziest part about all this is, and this is uh, Ronald Siegel's work at UCLA, um, really neat guy, but he is one of the uh, other people have written about this, but he started to realize that pretty much every species on the planet, every mammal and most birds have found a way to alter their consciousness. He talks about the urge towards intoxication mm. as the fourth urge, the fourth evolutionary driver. So there's sex, food, water, shelter, intoxication, which sounds crazy. Like why the hell would that be? But as it turns out, if go into nature and humans are really good at this we get stuck in ruts right we yeah. keep doing the same thing over and over and be, it happens in the wild as well and the easy you have to change the channel so the creative problem solving you get from non-ordinary states of consciousness are so fun is so fundamental that evolution actually shaped it into a basic drive that's found across all mammals um, and you know you can go into the animal kingdom and you will see, you know, elephants will drink fermented bog water. Mandrel hmm. baboons will take ibogaine, one of the most powerful psychedelics on earth. Really? Jaguars will use ayahuasca. Goats will gobble magic mushrooms. And the list goes on and wow. on and on. There's a great NPR uh, story from a couple of years ago about uh, a dog that uh, dogs seeking out magic mushrooms. There was a, a, the famous one is dolphins will take pufferfish. And they will get it to excrete 
it's nerve toxin, uh-huh. which in tiny quantities is a state-changing drug, wow. right? Too much, and you get poisoned. And there was fantastic footage online um, of a pot of dolphins doing this with puffer fish, like passing it. it Shut yeah, up. Yeah, they gave puff, puff, pass an entirely new meaning, right? <laughs> totally changed it. But wow. this drive towards intoxication is re- it's in all of us, but it's really all over nature for the fact that it is so it, it is so powerful to change the channel in terms of creative problem solving. Why can't we just tap into it and get in those states without having to use one of these other mechanisms to get there? Are we capable of accessing? Well, of course, I mean, meditation will get you there, you know, pretty quickly. It's, I mean, and it's and it's interesting because it's not even that much meditation, right? Like when they started doing the early meditation research, they were researching on, you know, Tibetan Buddhists with 30,000 hours of cushion time. And they were mm. saying, oh my God, okay, their brains are more creative and blah, blah, blah. But who's got 30,000 hours, right? Um, new studies, you know, then they dropped it down to like, there was a whole bunch of different studies where they're like, well, that's impractical for anybody. Could, can we shrink it? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, could maybe we get to 10 years? So they started doing studies and, you know, in the beginning they found, oh, wow, you can do this in three months. Oh, wait a minute. You can do this in eight weeks. And now they're down to like four days of meditation training of, is enough to start shifting the brain and unlocking these things. I, so Yeah, I just got back from India uh, two weeks ago where I did a two-week intensive meditation training. And I literally feel like now with a 15-minute practice in the morning that I got into some you know crazy states where I felt like I was literally floating in the universe and moving everything around in the universe. It was like kind of crazy. And maybe it sounds weird. And I was floating through the stars. I came back through the earth and was like diving into the core of the universe or the earth and was able to see everything perfectly. It's amazing. And I was able to move like the stars. It's just like slight movements. Everything was able to move and shift. And it was crazy. And, and even yesterday morning, as I was meditating, I literally felt like everything around me, I was in the middle of the universe. It took about 10 minutes. But then I was meditating with someone else. I didn't have awareness that they were in the room. I didn't have awareness of, I felt like I was just floating. I still had like foundation, but I was kind of like, I wasn't in my room anymore. Wow. And it was crazy. And just and I was there for two weeks learning these t- techniques and practices and, and diving in. And um, it's definitely a powerful experience. But for me now, it's 15 minutes. It's only happened a couple of times since then. But That's amazing that yeah. you can get that powerful experience. That's, yeah. that's phenomenal. It's crazy. It's really cool. But no drugs, no, you know. Well, that's, I mean, one of the things that, you know, the interesting thing about the drugs is that they can show you what's possible, mm-hmm. but the really critical lesson that people need to learn is all of those same experiences are available without the drugs, exactly. right? It, the, those those substances, for somebody mm-hmm. who, you know, when they're just starting out, sometimes can be, that can be a useful, you know, kick Shoulder. your head sideways, just Catalyst. like, oh my God, look, there are a whole bunch of mm-hmm. universes that inside you that you had yeah. no idea existed. Yeah. But what's really interesting, I always say that for me, um, and I've, you know, I've had psychedelic experiences, I've had meditative experiences, I've, you know, and I've had flow experiences triggered by action adventure sports. I think I've experienced way stranger things through sport and flow yeah. than I have, you know, in other situations for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, for, as an athlete, you know, I think you know, why I'm addicted to sports and being a part of a team and other things is because I'm able to tap into that place, you know, just going to play pickup basketball, I can get there quickly in a few minutes 
if I allow myself to forget about all the stresses or work or what's what's on my mind and I just am present to playing ball and, mm-hmm. and making every play my best and being a part of the team and getting beyond myself, I can play for hours. You lose track of time and you just feel like you're, you know, invincible in a way. And I tell people, you know, for a guy who's been hit over the head thousands of times, literally, I don't know how many times I led with my head playing football for a decade. If if a guy who's been hit that many times in the head, he's probably got brain damage. If I can get there, then I think anyone could get there just through meditative practice and, and other and action sports, things like that. So music as well, which I know you talk about all the different ways to get in the flow. Um, so, yeah. What do you think what, what do you think's missing for people in their lives right now? Well, I, you know, the other thing that we see with kind of these ecstatic experiences is, um, and this is research that was done at Harvard, uh, it, there's something called adult development theory, which basically is how do adults continue to grow and mature. And what, what we've seen is um, what the research shows is that people who have more access to these experiences, they move farther up the adult development scale. Now, what happens as you move up that scale is you get more empathetic. You can see problems from multiple perspectives. Um, and you get this kind of polyphasic awareness. So I think one of the things, you know, that that's missing. We also see the research is, is pretty consistent that frequent access to these experiences gives you much more overall life satisfaction, right? Much more well-being, what much greater happiness. And I, you know, it, what's missing for people today? I mean, the studies now show that, you know, one out of four Americans are on psychiatric meds. Mm. Suicide rates are increasing for everybody ages 7 to 70. Mm. That's, those are insane numbers, right? Mm. They're, they're, those are crazy numbers about our mental health as a society. So clearly something is wrong um, with us psychologically. And yeah. again, I, I, I think a lot of it is we have kind of banished this whole, there's a whole set of experiences that are north of happy, right? All the experiences we're talking about to sort of take place north of happy. And we ignored them for the past hundred years, right? If you look at, it wasn't until positive mm-hmm. psychology showed up, right? Psychology in the 20th century, even though it started with William James, who was really interested in human possibility, very quickly, it sort of devolved into fixing pathological problems, mm-hmm. right? That's what, psych- it wasn't about exploring psychological possibilities. It was depression and anxiety. Like, and we've gotten very good at that stuff, right? Yeah. And we made a lot of progress. But it's only with, you know, fairly recently when Martin Seligman became head of the American Psychological Association that people started to say, hey, wait a minute. These north of happy experiences might be exactly what we're missing, what we need. Um, and it that's – so I think that's some of it mm. that, you know, we just turned away for, sure, for 100 sure. years and we're now turning our attention back. Mm. That's what I think is missing. I'm curious to learn more about you and who's been the most influential presence in your life since growing up till now. I don't even know if I can answer that question. I mean, I, you know, obviously my my you know parents were usually influential. Um, I don't know. I think I've had great mentors, you know, every step along the way. I think I learned different things from different people. Peter, my partnership with Peter Diamandis, my friendship with Peter, we've known each other a long time. Uh, we, I mean, we knew each other back in the kind of early 90s. And um, so I, uh, before the XPRIZE was won, like right when the XPRIZE, right before the XPRIZE actually got announced officially was when Peter and I first met. So 
being that close to Peter as a guy who actually like helped open the space frontier and, you know, like do like Peter has been a phenomenal mentor at like my, my, like, what do I think individuals can achieve? Well, my friend Peter helped open the space frontier and established what is, you know, becoming a multi-billion dollar, you know what I mean? So like different, I learned different things mm-hmm. from different people mm-hmm. along the way. Um, I, you know, and all honesty, like, and if I were going to start pointing at who the people who were most influential in my life were other writers who I didn't even know, but really? their books impacted me so much. Um, I, you know, I'm fundamentally an author, right? Yeah. Like that's that it, it, like at my core, I'm a guy who likes to put words together in a straight line. Mm-hmm. That's really sure, what I love sure. doing most. So a lot of, a lot of that, a lot of me was shaped by that. I was also shaped, uh, I was a professional magician. Really? Most people don't know this. Um, yeah, I started working when I was 11 years old. Wow. I was in restaurants doing birthday parties and bar mitzvahs and blah, 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 all the way until I was in college. So there were a lot of magicians, actually, who were massively influential uh. on me. And magicians were a very weird group of people. So I learned a lot of really key, key, core, fundamental lessons from this, this strange group of people when I was growing up. They had huge influence on me. Wow. What's the biggest lesson you learned from that group or being, so, being in that, you know, just this, profession? I mean, one was they were a profession without judgment. It didn't, these were really weird people. They were, <laughs> yeah. they were truly strange yes. artists. So, yes. you know, and this was, brilliant you know, at the same time, in the, right? se- you know, in the seventies, we're going back to the seventies and this was a group of people. They didn't care who you had sex with. They didn't care what color your skin was. They did like, all, they didn't even care. You could be annoying you could be a drunk you, if you get the goods and can could do the magic talent, right? if you had you were fine um so like one thing i you know a fundamental lesson uh at a time i you know i grew up in cleveland and in chicago there was a lot of sexism there was a, yeah i'm from ohio i'm from columbus it's cleveland i'm yeah, a browns yeah. fan long suffering Glou- browns too man <laughs> it sucks damn yeah oh, that's heartbreaking yeah um do not hey, go cows, gently. Do not, cows, I know. <laughs> Do not go gently into that good night, Cleveland. Yeah, That's go. all I'm saying. Yeah. Um. You can claim victory in sports on the job site, even on your taxes, by switching to H&R Block. Block offers many ways to file to fit your schedule. A 100% accurate return on your max refund or your money back. Plus, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. Switch today and feel like a tax champion. This tax season, it's better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. Disclaimer, all tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Description of benefits and details at hrblock.com slash guarantees. Isn't it obnoxious when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print or bills that seem to go up for no dang reason? Like when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying even more than you would have elsewhere? At Metro by T-Mobile, there's nada yada yada. That means no contracts, no price hikes, no surprises. They don't even want me to speed through the legal, so here it is. When they say no price hikes when you join, they mean your price will never increase for talk, text, and smartphone data plans. Their only exclusions are for limited-time promos, per-use charges, and third-party services. I guess that really is nada yada yada. At Metro by T-Mobile. Nada yada yada. There was a lot of racism and sexism and things like that. So just like being around people who, you know, didn't, weren't that way 
was really important. I think the other thing, the most important thing I learned. So when I was growing up in Cleveland, the magic store was Pandora's Box. It was in Richmond Mall um, in Mayfield, Ohio. And Hmm. it was kind of a long, skinny store. And in the back, there was a big wall of books. And magic stores are like eye candy everywhere, right? But the books sort of had like the most prominent display. And I remember asking Joe Joe Leffler, the guy who ran the shop, I was like, at one point, I, 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 you know, in my, I was 11 or 12. I don't even know how I phrased it, but I was basically like, why do I see the books first when I come into the store? Why not all these crazy, you know, shiny objects, other, other yeah. shop, blinky shiny objects? And he looked at me and went, well, books are where they keep the secrets. And hmm. he meant two things. First of all, I, th- I just thought he meant books are where they keep the secrets, right? In, he was actually be giving me like magic specific things, and what he really was saying is, "Look, man, these were this was an oral tradition until like the fifties or the sixties when this stuff started getting written down really for the first time. And right now, like at the back of my store, the best magicians in the world have put their tricks in books for you to learn. Like you can actually get expertise here. That's what he was talking about. I just thought he meant, hey, man." books are where they keep the secrets so i just i mean i was already an avid reader but to me it was just like oh my god of course that's where they keep the secrets and you know i still you know found fundamentally think that you know reading is reading books is the number one thing you can anybody can do to improve their lives Mm. i can't like it's at the top of every list Mm. do you have a trick that you still use or you still like to perform uh, there are a couple. We're not going to do them here. No matter what, we, I will not be doing That was one of the things I discovered about myself. Um, and it's one of the reasons I walked away from magic is I don't like fooling people. To be a magician, you really have to like lying to people. And it makes me really uncomfortable, mm, yeah. right? You have to, people get a rush. Magicians get a rush from that. I never did. I'm uncomfortable with deception. And so it, ne- mm. it really it really put me at ease that I loved what people don't realize about magic is you've got Michael Jordan level dexterity taking place in nanoscale, right? Mm-hmm. That's what's going on at the nano. That's what I like. The athletic prowess right, right. of magic is what really amazed me. Yeah. Um, but the deception part of it, I just wasn't good at it. I didn't like it. It wasn't, it wasn't who yeah, I was. I couldn't you, yeah. make it. I couldn't make it fit. Mm. So who was, uh, which of your parents was more influential and what was the biggest lesson that they taught you. You know, you're. I, I, I think you'll appreciate this. And you know, it was what I learned. I mean, it's what you learn in the Midwest, right? Which is mm-hmm. Midwestern values: work hard, don't lie. Right? Those are the those are the core Midwestern values. And you know, my father taught me so much about hard work, and you know what's really required. Um, that was just a great lesson mm-hmm. to learn early. Yeah. And um, what part of Cleveland? Well, a bunch of different parts, and in the end, Pepper Pike. Okay, cool. I'm not sure where that's at, but near Shaker East side. Heights. Or... Yeah, okay. e- e- going, keep going east. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. I'm actually from Delaware, Ohio, if you've ever heard of that. And it's, which is where? It's about 30 miles north of Columbus. Okay. Very small town, yeah. Um, about about an hour and 45 from Cleveland, so um, very cool. Um, what else do we need to know? What else do we need to know about this besides buying the book? Oh, besides about, about stealing fire? Yes. Uh, that's super interesting. Well, it, it's worth talking a little bit about uh, kind of the four emerging forces, right? Okay. The neurobiology, psychology, the pharmacology, and the technology. And, I th- you know, some of the stuff that, that's going on technologically is 
is really interesting at this point. For example, um, there's a company called Palo Alto Neuroscience. Very, they're at the front end of their work, but they have using mm. they. You can go in there. They can take a Tibetan Buddhist who has thirty thousand hours of meditation training. They can put themselves into a meditative state. They can record the biomarkers of a bunch of different biomarkers that that are present. They can then take the device, put it on you who have no meditation training, and using neurofeedback walk you towards that same state. No way. Yes. So that's one example of wow. where things are going, right? And it's it's like matrix. It's like the matrix. Right. And it's, you know, so what we're looking at, you know, the psychology what what shifted fundamentally is, you know, if you go back to the fifties, mm. the psychological personas you were allowed to inhabit were pretty like you got the strong silent masculine type and you've got the Betty homemaker and that was kind of you know the edge of psychological possibilities but psychology and our versions of ourselves and who can we can be in the world have expanded so much in the mm. past you know 75 years there are versions of ourselves that are gigantic right now and can hold a much bigger container you know can hold all this stuff neurobiology has allowed us to look under the hood right it's yeah. turned stuff that was mystical into the empiric, right, which is phenomenal. Then we psychopharmacology is allowing us to access a lot of these things nearly on demand, right? It's, they've taken these sort of like the neurochemistry that underpin these states. It's now a cookbook, mm. right? And even more interestingly than just the cookbook is there's an open – so I'll give you an example. If you go back, foundation of any religion, Moses went up. Had a conversation with God, came down, bunch of tablets, got angry, shattered them. That was the only time in religious history where God spoke directly to man. He gave mm. had a vision, and the proof disappeared, mm. gone. Right, like, and so you got to take this guy's <laughs> word word for it. Which you know, maybe you want to, maybe you don't. Well, we're getting now, and you're seeing it. it it's emerging out of uh, DMT, which is an extremely potent psychedelic. But there are now all kinds of open source research projects online the hyperspace lexicon where they say like people take this substance they have profound cosmic religious birthing style experiences mm -hmm. but they're open source databases so hundreds of thousands of people are recording their experiences so now wow. yeah you can have a major epiphany but you can compare it to all this bit where it's a big data analysis of something that before you would have had to take somebody's word for. And right. Gotcha. So that's super interesting. Cool. That's starting to change. And, you know, as I said, with technology, technology is allowing us to bring this stuff to scale. You brought up music, mm -hmm. right? Like music's ability to shift consciousness and the research on it is getting incredibly robust. Even just like the research on music's ability to bond us together. Right. Apple, did this crazy experiment with Sonos speakers where they wired up people's homes. They wanted to know how much music do people listen to on average four and a half hours and a day a day wow. and uh what happens when they do and almost every metric for togetherness whether it's number of times you say i love you number of times people have sex hugs cooking dinners for friends any metric you look goes through the roof so music's power to shift consciousness and bond us together wow. really extraordinarily powerful and if you think we talk about it in the book the kind of evolution of we, we focus on function one, which is a really high and loudspeaker manufacturer. The guy who started 
The company started it because he thought music could be a, a bonding tool to shift people's state of consciousness and mm. bring, bring them to this higher plane. And so he has literally spent 60 years building bigger and better loudspeakers that can take more and more and more people into these altered states of consciousness. We don't think about it that way. We don't think about the evolution of music mm. in terms of a state-changing tool. But if you, you know, back when this guy started out, you could only really get that kind of fidelity if you were, you know, literally listening with through headphones, really high quality stereo. And he wanted to bring what he calls the audio moment, that, that phase change that we're talking about, to the masses. And now we can do it at scale, mm. right? You go to Boomfest or something like that, and the entire place is wired to shift your consciousness. Right. That's a relatively new change in tech i mean we you go back to prehistory and people were using sound to alter consciousness right like this is uh stephen johnson did this work but he was looking at kind of caves uh in france where there are early cave paintings and one of the things they noticed about like these cave paintings is the paintings are really deep in the caves and why if you have to truck your paints and your torches and everything like why would they be in so like a mile and a half into these caves why not yeah. near the surface where it's easy right and the answer is they were looking for the most acoustically mm. powerful spots in the cave wow. the places where the reverberation of the voices could actually alter consciousness so with the flickering torchlight and these their cave art and sound and chanting right that so for Going back into prehistory, we've been using sound to alter mm. consciousness. What's different now is the scale. And, of course, just one example. Wow. But I think we're seeing it across the boards. Like these experiences are now sort of we can experience them at scale, which is radically new and radically different and really cool. Amazing. Amazing. Do you have a question that I should uh, ask yeah. before I wrap things up? It's a fantastic question. I think it's it's relevant across the boards here. So. We talked about adult development earlier. And the interesting thing is child development, like everybody knows child, there's the terrible twos. That's a developmental mm -hmm. phase, right? There's teenage years um, and kids go through them no matter what, right? Like you're going to progress out of the terrible twos. You're not going to get stuck there your whole life. Right. But adults can actually get stuck. Adult development is not guaranteed at all. You can get stuck. And so... All of these states can be very, very sticky, right? They're grabby. Flow is as good as we can feel on the planet. Right. It can be deeply addictive. There's a lot of studies also that show that kind of the more flow you seek, the more risks you'll take yes. to get into flow. Oh, and that continues. That will increase over your whole lifetime. Keep pushing the limit. These experiences are like across the board. They can be sticky and grabby. As I said, they, some of them can be very, very addictive. So there's definitely a dark side to these experiences. Like there's a reason these three pales exist, right? Like mm -hmm. I you, state sanctioned states of consciousness and, you know, pale literature. It sounds like, oh, these are the bad guys. But no, those guys were trying to keep us safe for a reason, right? Like those pales exist for really good reasons. What's changing now and what hopefully is different is with the amount of precision information we're getting, we're able to tune these things much more specifically and we're able to use them much more maturely, but they bring an enormous amount of responsibility. We talk about three levels of danger. One, which is what we've been talking about now, which is hedonism, right? It's easy to go off the rails with any of these experiences, but there's also dangers of commercialization mm. and militarization. For example, when Rise of Superman came out, 
the first two groups of people who reached out who wanted the Flow Genome Project involved was the military and the marketers. The military saw a strategic advantage and the marketers went, holy crap, can we put people into Flow and sell them things? Mm. And the answer is yes. Like, you know, we, you know, the answer is yes. And it's already going on, right? We're, we're starting to move uh, when we talk about this in the book as well from kind of the experience economy, right? Where you're, go to Starbucks because it's that cozy third place to what we're calling the transformational economy where like you use a product because of who it's going to turn you into. The great example is Equinox was a classic experience economy mm. gym, right? You go in there and it's bespoke everything in the hot mm. towels and the eucalyptus to steam and blah, 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 right? That's an experience economy. CrossFit is transformational economy. It's not, you're, there's all that stuff is gone, right? You're working out in a box Dungeon. in an ugly gym, yeah, yeah. right? In somebody's garage, yeah. you're paying as much as you were at Equinox. <laughs> and right, it's it's somebody's dungeon, as Some- you said, right? But the reason is because it's going to transform you, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just like at Equinox, they're saying, well, you do this and you might look like the woman mm-hmm. in the black and white photo. CrossFit says, no, you do this, you commit, you be fierce. You're going to be a radically different person three months from now. And you do a shared experience too. Shared experience, all that stuff. So they're selling transformation, who you can become. And- Mm. We're getting more, and now that transformation, you know, is available on lots of different ways. So yeah. that's going to change. And militarization, mm. which sounds like tinfoil hat conspiracy stuff, but if you look at like, <laughs> and and the problem is like, like when we do, we there's a from the very so the very first time anybody invented a state changing technology, right, was Dr. John Lilly back in the 1950s, and he basically invented a pleasure probe that you could it's a probe that goes into the brain and you could stimulate basically your the pleasure centers wow. of the brain and they you know they found uh when they when he was i think he was using it with uh monkeys and monkeys trained to use this device will literally like choose to orgasm for 16 hours straight no and then way. they'll sleep for eight hours and then they'll that's what they'll do wow. right and he like he was in you know, when the military approached him and everybody, like they heard about it in every three-letter agency you could imagine beat a path to his door, he was like, whoa, wait a minute, you know, in the wrong hands, you could literally use my device to fundamentally alter people's consciousness to change their beliefs. So even, this is yeah. the very 1950s, right? Then in the 60s, everybody's heard about MK Ultra, right? As the psychedelic experiments where the CIA was using psychedelics and the army was using psychedelics. What they don't realize is there were thousands of research organizations involved in those experiments and they never really went away, mm. right? We have a 70-year history of trying to use consciousness-altering techniques as one kind of weapon or another, right? Whether it's to, you know, confuse entity combatants or brainwashing, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So, and now that we're getting more, like, it's farcical because the technologies weren't very good. Turns out LSD doesn't make a very effective weapon, mm. right? Like, <laughs> right, right. okay, that, and it's fine and it's funny and you can have all kinds of tinfoil hat conspiracy theories. The problem is that, like, the technology is getting really, really, really good. Yeah. And so what wasn't possible and what was funny and comical and conspiratorial 70 years ago is suddenly a, 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 a little nerve-wracking mm. today and worth paying attention to at least. Yeah, gotcha. Very cool. Awesome. Answer the question? Cool. We've got a few final questions. One is called The Three Truths. I ask this to everyone at the end. So Bring it. Uh, if this is your last day many, many years from now and you've accomplished everything you've wanted, you've uh, done everything you want to do, you've built everything you've ever dreamed of, it's happened. But it's the last day and you feel accomplished, fulfilled. 
done. And everyone there you care about uh, is there who cares about you. And for whatever reason, all your books have been erased. All your books have been gone, and all the content you put out has been gone. And so I've accomplished everything, but I've vanished from the earth. For whatever reason, it's gone. The the information is is gone. And you get to write down, and someone says, will you write down the three things you know to be true? You've written so many books. You've created so much. But what if it comes down to three simple truths that you would share with your friends and family and then to the world? Three simple truths. Um, Those lessons or those truths? You're not a nice man. <laughs> can we come back to this? Let's go to the next sure, question. Then I'm coming sure, back to sure. Where can we? Truths. Where can we? Uh, where can we connect with you personally online? Oh, this is the lame question. Okay, I got a, I got two more. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, StephenCotler.com mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Stealing Fire, uh, the book. Dot uh-huh. com is where you can check out the book and Flow Genome Project. Dot com. Okay, is you know the three places you can find me on Twitter, Stephen underscore underscore Cotler. Okay, cool. Uh, th- do you want to wait? Want to ask one more until you get back oh, to this? Yeah, we're okay. going back to the truth one. Okay, so the um, what I want to do next before I ask the final question is acknowledge you for a moment, Stephen, for for your incredible wisdom and your in- in- intelligence and your ability to find and discover all the secrets in the world and write them in books for us to discover them as well. So I know how dedicated you are to your mission, to learning this information, to learning these tools. And you spend so much time and energy discovering these secrets. So I want to acknowledge you for putting them in simple terms for us to all get the secrets as well. It means a lot. Appreciate that. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Um, but before I ask the final question, you got to share the three truths. All right. So I'm not, I don't know if three, I don't know if I'm going to get hey. there. All right. So <laughs> let's start with one. What's let's number one? See if, let's see if we, so number one is, uh, and I don't know. I don't have a pithy phrase for it, but okay. to be really blunt, if you're not, if you're, if you're, if passion isn't fueling your life, you're, f-ed. we know this, this is pretty clear. You need, you need passion and purpose to drive you forward. But the thing that I would want to remind people is that we think passion, we think when we think of passion, we always see it in its mature form, right? We think of passion for basketball and you, you see Michael Jordan in your head. What you don't see is what it looked like on the front end, which was, oh, wow, I'm curious about this orange ball. I wonder if I can put it through that hoop, right? That's what curiosity over time, multiple intersections of multiple curiosities over time is what breeds passion, mm. right? As far as I can tell. So one thing I, you know, one truth that I think is really fundamental especially now that people are recognizing how important passion and purpose is. And I think people are super frustrated because they, they want this thing that they can sort of see out in the world, except all the examples, all the people you're modeling after, mm. you're modeling mature passion. You're not seeing what it looks like at the front end, which is just like cultivated curiosity over yeah, time. Yeah. Right? So that to me would be one of them okay. uh, that I think is, is sort of fundamental. The other thing I think is just the, first of all, the fact that we are all hardwired Mm. for ultimate performance, it comes built in. There isn't a person on the planet who can't get into flow, who can't change the channel consciousness and access these states. We're all built for these experiences. This is the stuff that evolution designed Mm. for us to amplify our performance. And if you're not taking advantage of it, first of all, other people are. 
So you, there's no, if you just go back to flow and you look at McKinsey's research and McKinsey mm. said people in flow are f after 500% more productive than out of flow. Wow. So 500% more productive says you can go to work on Monday, spend Monday in a flow state, take Tuesday through Friday off, get as much done as your steady state peers, <laughs> wow. right? Two days a week in flow, you're a thousand percent more productive than the competition. And the competition is using this stuff, right? Like it is my job to train up companies to train up executives to train up coaches to blah, blah blah that's a lot of what i do in the world at the flow genome mm -hmm. project and we're doing it this is happening already so if you're not doing this stuff you're going to start having a very hard time competing mm -hmm. so i think my second whatever however we phrase that second truth is you know take advantage of the advantage you you have like it, you're this comes built in with every human being. We can change the channel in our consciousness and it can massively improve performance and y the competition is already doing it. So mm -hmm. you are only falling behind if you're not playing this game. And with the four forces that we were talking about, this stuff is only accelerating. So you're yeah. falling farther and farther behind, right? You don't want to be AOL. Right, right. <laughs> you want to be Google. <laughs> right, right. Um, and a third truth, huh? A third truth. Well, books are where they keep the secrets. Maybe, 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 maybe one of them. Um, I think we're going to go with books are where they keep the secrets because okay. it's pithy and we did it already. There you go. I like it. Okay. Um, is there any question that you wish someone would always ask you or that you haven't answered? Well, there's a question that I want to ask you, which is what are your three hard tourists? If I had to sit here and you know do this, I'm like I want teach me something, brother Lewis. Come on, man. I'm here. You just got back from oh India, gosh. having your psychedelic trance state experience. Bring me up to your level, brother. Oh man, uh, I'll share with you afterwards. All right, I'll share with you afterwards. Uh, okay. excellent. <laughs> you can you, you can mess with me, but I'm not exactly, okay. excellent. Exactly. I see how this is gonna roll. No, but right. is there any question that uh, you wish people would ask you or that you never get asked? You're like, oh, why don't they ask me that? Or you think they should be asking? You know, I don't know if I have, I don't know. Can I give you a slightly longer answer? We work, so one of the things that I've noticed, a lot of what I've done over my 30 years basically working is ask the question, how do we achieve the impossible, right? And I've looked at this in extreme athletes, who have achieved impossible feats. I looked at it in terms of empathy and altruism. I wrote about animal rescue, which is kind of the extreme hardcore. Everybody understands when you're helping people, you get a lot of accolades for that. It's not the same when you're helping animals. Mm. So this is kind of the extreme edge of empathy and altruism. I looked at in abundance, what does it take take on grand global challenges. Bold, it was how do you build the fastest, biggest company as fast as you can. And Tomorrowland is what does it take to invent the future, right? The, the very people who dreamed up all the technology. And it turns out that you see very similar things under the hood, right? And one of the, one of the things that, I mean, one of the things that I think is interesting, like the question is, you know, what does it take to achieve the impossible might be the question. Might, and, and the thing that I want to point out is, if you start talking to these people, what you'll realize is there is, in a weird way, no real difference between I want to do this absolutely impossible thing like open the space frontier or kind of, you know, one of my missions, decode ultimate human performance as it is to be an extremely successful dry cleaner. Like it takes just as much 
freaking work and time yeah. and energy right. and everything else. Like you're going to, we all have the same 24 hours in the day and across the board, it's the size of your vision. Everybody's got the same amount of energy. And if you're going to be successful as a dry cleaner, as a librarian, you have what it takes to change the planet. Mm. You do. It's the same amount of energy. You need a bigger vision, right? You need the confidence to believe that you can do it, you, right? You got to go after it. That's what I think um, is so, you know, if you meet the actual people who have invented the possible, uh, very rarely do you find some uber genius where you're like oh my god what your brain does i don't like i don't even know what that is occasionally you do bump into that guy you'll meet mm -hmm. the ray kurzweil's of the world like you do and you're like holy crap what your brain does i don't even know right, what right. that is but most of the people who have radically altered the planet they're just me and you mm -hmm. right they they really are it was just the size of the vision wow. that really is the distinguishing thing so I don't know how to put that into a question. What does it take to do the impossible? You know, how big should my vision be? I, I'm not sure what the question mm. is there, but right, right. maybe this is one of those nice truths thought. that I, yeah, <laughs> I maybe I, I, that's a truth and I, I need a different question. I don't know. There you go. I like it. It's a good, it's a good thought. Good truth. Uh, final question then is what is your definition of greatness? Nothing easy with me, huh? <laughs> so it's my favorite quote from Jack Kerouac. There's a couple of them that I like, and I'm not really a big Kerouac fan, but he said a couple of things. And I don't know if this is going to make sense, but uh, what he said was walking on water wasn't built in a day, hmm. which is sort of my answer to greatness. Like, <laughs> like what do I think of as great? I mean, like true greatness, when I think of it is, you know, A, if you're not brimming with joy, like you're not there. Right, mm -hmm. like whatever my definition of greatness, if it doesn't come with like massive amounts of well-being and life satisfaction, it's not there. If you're not changing the world, I have one metric for people: is the world better with you in it or with you out of it? Like that's it. I've got that's. Am I judging you? Yes, I'm judging everybody I meet on that metric. You um, and so greatness. Obviously, you're here to. You get one. The one thing we know is we get one shot at this life. Do not waste it. Mm -hmm. You are. You know. May try to have the biggest impact you can possibly have. Um, that's kind of my definition of greatness. But really, like, I when I think of greatness, I think of people who show me something I couldn't even imagine seeing. The walking on water wasn't built in a day. You know, that's that's mm. really you know the paradigm shift is really what I think mm. of when I think of his greatness. And it could be anything. It could be paradigm. You know, in art, a new way of rapping a new way of making music a new it doesn't it doesn't matter show me yeah. something i've never seen before and that's great try to change the world with it that's I cool think. make sure you guys go get the new book stealing fire thank you so much for coming on thanks Appreciate for having me yes there you have it guys i hope you enjoyed this special interview again make sure to share it with your friends lewishouse.com slash 448 leave us a review over on itunes itunes.com slash greatness for your chance to be featured as a review of the week on the show. Make sure to connect with Steven, connect with him on social media, and stay up to date on all the things that he is up to. And check out the full show notes again, lewishouse.com slash 448. Full video interview, all the photos behind the scenes, and all that other good stuff that we talked about on today's episode. I love you guys very much. It means the world to me that you continue to show up with a full heart learning and taking action in your life to make a difference and following your dreams. It means the world to me. You know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great.
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night. Student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.